Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Core.Green. You can kill 99% of airborne germs in, real, in just minutes. Check it out. Visit Core.Green. Today, we're going to talk about commercial real estate development and performance and uh, impact of COVID, but we're going to really key in on, on student housing. You know, student housing has kind of been good in, in past recessions because, you know, a lot more people would go to schools. Uh, but what's happened during COVID? How's it impacting development uh, and design uh, in the future of student housing? Well, please welcome my guest. It's Brantley Basinger. He's Director of Development and Acquisitions and a Principal with Mallory and Evans. Uh, Brantley, thanks for being with us. Uh, thank you, Michael. Michael, uh, Grateful to be here. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. The first thing I want to ask you about is, is on the student housing properties, uh, clients that you guys develop for and build for and and uh, and own and 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 your your caliber living arm you know manages. How are those properties really operating around the country right now with this COVID going on? Here we are, at, what May uh, beginning of May of 2021. Well, you know, 2020 was just a blur. Um, the uncertainty was crazy. No one really, everyone was speculating. Um, you know. Who's take, are they taking gap semesters, gap years, the students? You know, what does enrollment look like? What are the schools going to do with their, you know, on-campus housing? We were all just, you know, taking just complete guesses at everything. So I think for the most part, the industry did a really good job of pivoting and getting getting more into online and social media and, and reaching their target audiences. Some, you know, some markets suffered uh, worse than others. I think the Southeast uh, remained fairly strong. Um you know, kids these days, they want to be in school. And, um, you know, they, they've, they've reached a point where they're out of high school. They want to hang out with their friends. I mean, uh, some of our properties uh, were, you know, were great, performed really well. Others struggled a little bit. But um, all in all, I think the industry survived. And, um, you know, going into this year's pre-leasing, uh, it was a little bit slower. It was a little behind. I think everyone's been waiting on these announcements to be made by the you know, by the board of regents or the, you know, the different um, universities that were controlling those decisions. And many have now come out, um, including here in Georgia, you know, the board of regents here said we're in class. It's, it's back to normal. Tennessee came out and I think a, a bunch of other um, states and universities are, are following suit, um, especially as soon as Texas started opening and Florida's opening and everybody just kind of jumped on the bandwagon and said, we got to go. Since then, um, pre-leasing's really picked up. Um, we're expecting, you know, record enrollment at a lot of these schools. We're expecting a lot of those students that took gap semesters to come back to school. Um, I think that the universities themselves will probably be a little bit conservative with their own campus housing. We don't know yet um, how they all are going to react, but you know, a lot of these schools have dated um, old dorms, and it's kind of tough to put the kids back into these, uh, you know two and three bedroom suites where there's just not, a, you know, and, you know, you know, common showers and that's, that's tough. So we'll see where the pivot goes from there, but all in all, I think the industry is going to um, come back really strong. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, we'll wait and see again. That's my opinion. Those aren't facts, but yeah, well, it's interesting. And you think about the dorms on campus, uh, it uh, maybe relates a little bit to the uh, office environment where we're trying to figure out, 
in that space, um, you know, how much space will t uh, companies need? And one of the things we're finding with some of these companies, like Google just recently announced, uh, you know, they're, they're adding more space uh, because they want more. They, they, they've said that, look, we've been, we've told you, we, we want our people together. We think there's a benefit for them and for the company to, to be together. And, but we want more space between them. So, you know, when you go back to student housing, uh, you know, if there's two, two people in a little room, for example, um, you know, maybe maybe they're going to want one person. Is that potentially uh, increased demand for off-campus uh, housing around these schools? I think so. I think so. Um, and we'll see how long that lasts. You know, um, you know, we're 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 creatures of habit, right? So once kind of something passes, we tend to be creatures of habit and go back to the old. But I, I think long-term, you know, a lot of these um, older uh, living facilities needed to be either scraped or or remodeled, anyways. I mean, it, we, it's a it's a new kid, right? It's a new it's a new student, uh, high tech, all the other stuff. These these dorms are dated. Um, and so we'll see, but I do think that there's an opportunity um, to, to capture some, um, you know, some occupancy from the the dorms decreasing their their bed counts uh, by that. What change? What changes have been most apparent in the operations of these student housing facilities, uh, especially the ones that have been kind of actively uh, have active occupancy? Um, and, and what changes moving forward from this pandemic in, in the operations and design? of these projects uh, for student housing? Yeah, it's a good, good question. So from the operations standpoint, obviously we've had to be real careful. Um, I think we're starting to open up and, and starting to be more normal, but in, you know, the old events that we just packed everybody in the clubhouses and served pizza and their big pool parties. I mean, we have to be careful about that, especially, you know, even right now, still this day, we're, you know, we have um, so many people that we're putting into the gyms or their study areas, or we're, we're having them uh, schedule appointments for those areas. Um, careful with how many people are, are, are coming into the clubhouse at one time or taking tours together. So, you know, that all, that all is, we're having to be very conservative. I, I think that'll, that'll normal normalize a little bit here going forward, but it probably won't get back to where it, it, it was, you know, pre COVID, you know, from a design perspective, you know, I, I, I think the parents are, you know, we all, we've all been building four fours and five fives and six sixes. I mean, it's gone, you know, nuts with all the, you know, and it's all, it's all bed bath parity. Uh, so you do have your own space. I don't think the kids really care that much, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's more of a parent issue than a kid issue. Um, but I will say this is that, you know, just from a, a, the market in general, um, I know what we're focusing on. We're, but we, this is more of a, um, a market sort of decision than it is a COVID decision, but we see the need for more studios, ones and twos in general, a to serve that market or to serve that parent, but B we are seeing kids that just don't want to live in four fours and five fives. Now those are harder to build. Um, they're a little bit more expensive to build, but you can demand more rent. Um, there's a need and market for these things. Not only are we starting to see, you know, uh, we're starting to look at those types of products, which we just delivered one in Knoxville. That's all two twos and one ones. And, but I think that we're kind of, there's a need for market rate apartments in college towns near university near, near next to universities and we're seeing a big demand for parents alumni faculty staff and you know they don't mind living next to a student in a one one or a two two because they know those students aren't there to party they're there to to learn and study and it's kind of a almost like a hybrid project uh, product uh, michael and uh so we're starting to change our strategy a little bit yeah 
speaking of strategy, when you look at, uh, you guys do market rate apartments, uh, you, you, you guys have Caliber Living as part of your, uh, one of your subsidiaries that manages a lot of multifamily student housing. And when you guys look at, at development and, and acquisitions of these type of projects, do you generally expect returns on market rate apartments uh, to be higher or lower uh, than returns on student housing? How do they compare? Right now, today, market rate is going to the the cap rate compression on market rate apartments are a- astronomical. I mean, we're seeing sub fours. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are trying to get their hands on these these uh, market rate apartments that they can get financing for them, and that's the biggest thing right now. Uh, banks are are tripping over themselves trying to to finance uh, you know market rate apartments, both from the construction side and from the you know uh, mini perm side and bridge side. So. Um, Right now, I think the gap, I mean, whereas before COVID, I think the gap was shrinking between market rate and student. Um, Post-COVID, the, it's, it's widening again. Uh, and, and the biggest, uh, you know, and the biggest driver of that is debt. Um, right now, I think, you know, back to our, where is the market, you know, post-COVID, the student market? Well, you know, your, your agency lenders, Fannie and Freddie, are still kind of a wait and see game. Um, they'll finance you know, uh, a deal that's right down the middle of the fairway, 350 yards long at a, you know, institution with 40,000 kids right next to campus, that's a no brainer. So you can get that finance, but they aren't going into tier two markets. Even when they're financing the right down the middle of the fairway deals, they're still uh, making you keep a 12 month interest reserve in there. And so until we see what happens come fall 2021 and everything is back to normal and all these schools are opening up, Debt is going to be really difficult in the student market. You are having a lot of banks um, start to get more aggressive, uh, you know, on, on their their bridge financing or mini perm side to to try to capture some of that market. But right now, debt's difficult in student market. Yeah, well, yeah, we have a multifamily division that sells apartments, and I started in my career as a young man uh, selling apartments and uh, had a huge market share. Uh, as a kid in Metro Atlanta, I'll say kid, and I can say kid now because when you're early 20s and now you're my age, uh, that's kind of what we do as old dudes, right? We call uh, people in their 20s kids. No doubt. But, uh, I have never seen the apart- investment apartment market uh, this hot in, in my career. You know, we had an offer the other day with half a million dollars. Uh, we went under contract, hard on this money, half a million day one. And, we get, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. It, it is crazy. But student housing, uh, what you're saying is that market's a little slow for, for financing and and uh, acquisitions and dispositions. And I guess it could change uh, pretty quickly here as these schools open. But what about just a, a development deal? If you're typically looking to develop some apartments or you're typically looking to develop student housing, in my mind, student housing has a little more specialty, uh, you know, a little more management, specialized management style, right? You have to be on top of management, it would seem a little closer than regular market rate apartments. So uh, to typically throughout history, do you, do you expect to get a little higher return on student housing? I'm hoping I do. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. the highest return I always can get, right? That's the goal. We we are not a non-for-profit company, Michael. We, we are a for-profit. So, you know, I think it depends on the deal. Honestly, I think it depends on the deal. Um, there are deals in the student market that will absolutely, you know, drive a higher return. You know, if you can, um, if you can, you know, wake up and step across the street and be on campus and there's a, you know, Publix underneath your building, then you're probably going to generate one heck of a return. Those caps are going to be real low, right? 
Um, you know, but the same can be said for, you know, the market rate. I think, I think right now there's bigger returns on market rate deals that aren't necessarily have the greatest location because there's just so many people fighting over these deals on the market rate side. You know, I will tell you this, that from a, you know, construction starts are going to be, are, 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 they were already way down during COVID, right? And construction starts going into this year, 2021, I think we all thought, okay, it's time. The pipeline's there. I mean, we have a strong pipeline. I got a bunch of deals ready that we could get started this year. And then what happens? Um, lumber goes to 13, you know, per thousand board, 13. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and I think, you know, the futures right now are somewhere in the 12 to 13,000 per thousand board where they were, you know, five, 600, you know, a year and a half ago. And so what's happening is lumber prices, the shortage of labor, uh, the shortage of, of subs, it's driving all these materials, um, you know, sky high and your labor costs sky high and your starts, um, not only in the student sector this year, but in the market rate sector, they're going to start slowing down big time because we can't afford to buy, to, we can't afford to build deals with, with labor and material prices where they are right now. And so there's a, there's a strong chance that you don't see a whole lot of new deliveries uh, in the student side this year which is not a bad thing. It allows a lot of markets to catch up, which is a, a good thing. And then, you know, come back and uh, start constructions in 2022, which means a 2023 delivery, you're going to have, you know, a year and a half, two years of catch up time. And so you're going to have some really good markets out there come 2022, 2023 on the student. Yeah. On the multi side, we're seeing the same thing, a complete slowdown in new construction starts. Um, unless you've already bought your lumber, you're stopping you are just stopping because you can't afford it. Um, this, this, the volatility right now in the construction um, side of our business is an absolute killer. Yeah. And it seems like it's uh, getting worse. I was talking to a client yesterday and he's having trouble getting electrical boxes, uh, carpet, uh, still obviously having trouble with uh, getting appliances and it's, it's stopping a lot of progress. That's going to hurt. Um, you know, the, the, the economy and, and, and the business in general. So as a construction guy that, that you guys are looking at this every minute of every day, what's your expectations of these uh, materials, these uh, supplies uh, being a shortage? Is this, is this something that's going to, how long is this going to last, would you think? We are predicting that by December or Q1 of next year, there will not be a steady decline in lumber. It's going to stay high. It's going to stay high for the next four to five months. Um, and we are predicting that it is going to drop off a cliff come December, January, February of next year. I mean, when I say drop off a cliff, I mean hit 600 or lower. And then everybody's going to go by and it's going to jump back up and then it's going to stabilize. And we think it's going to stabilize around seven to 750. That's kind of our prediction. But we got a good six months. Um, the problem with is there's plenty, there is, there's plenty of lumber, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is the mills, um, their, their, their supply lines are, are slowed down. You have a lot of states that still aren't fully open. So they're, the mills in those states can't produce enough. And the other problem is labor. They can't get the labor, um, mainly because, uh, you know, there's unemployment benefits from the federal government right now and, and people aren't working. There aren't as many people working. And so if those unemployment benefits go away and we can get the mills open, then we can produce all the, all the lumber we, we want to produce um, going forward. 
the other thing that's happening is the single family home buyers are, I mean, they're number one in line and they are just buying, 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 buying. So we look at it like this. There's three types of, of, let's call it builders out there. You've got your single family guys. They're passing all those costs to the consumer, someone like you and me. And right now there's plenty of consumers because interest rates are low saying, yeah, I can afford another 50 bucks on my mortgage, right? Fine. Let's keep building. That's going to stop because what's going to happen is the track builders that are building the you know hundred and eighty to two hundred thousand dollars starter home that, that those the people buying those homes aren't going to be able to afford them at some point in time and so when that happens and the track builders go no more then you're going to have a ton of supply sitting there right uh, then you've got your Google's and Amazon's and Facebook's building data centers right or you have Tyler Perry building stages and they're saying build 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 as much as you can I don't care you know, contractors are going back to them and saying, but it's 30% more. I don't care. I'm losing money if you don't build that data center, right? Yeah, yeah. And then in the stuck in the middle are guys like you and me, Michael, that are saying, okay, I'm going to perform and I'm trying to make a return like we talked about earlier. When I have a million, two million, three million dollar delta in lumber and materials and, so you know, appliances and labor, I'm done. I'm out. I got to push. So that's what's kind of happening. Yeah. Yeah, one of our clients told me uh, two days ago that his cost went up on his construction on a senior house facility by a million dollars in 60 days. It, it, um, it, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Um, well, what would you leave our audience with to think about Brantley uh, moving forward related to student housing and, and the future there? I, I think student housing is bright. I think that, you know, it, it hung in there. Um, it hung in there, you know, last year, it's, it's hanging in there this year. Um, there's real upside, you know, these are little, you know, mini ecosystems all by themselves, you know, kind of sitting there. And I think that we'll continue to be able to service those. And, um, I think if we continue to think outside the box on how to service those, then, um, sky's the limit. So don't take what I was saying, uh, during this session as uh, pessimistic. I think we've got, um, I think we've got a really, uh, really strong uh, future ahead of us, both, um, you know, student economy, multi everything, but uh, we just need a couple of things to go our way over the next five or six months. Yep. Very good. Well, Brantley, great information, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that was Brantley Basinger and uh, he is a principal and uh, director of development acquisitions with Mallory and Evans. And uh, the company also has a subsidiary of Caliber uh, Living. So if you'd like to reach out to them, uh, their uh, website for their design construction development company is me-dev.com and, and caliberliving.com is the management arm. Uh, well, what do you think about student housing? Uh, are you having issues in the construction and uh, world with costs there uh, and supplies? And, and uh, what, what do you see? Let us know. Thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, connecting with us on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the show, think about the opportunity to do business or refer business to our sponsors. Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. For incredible commercial agent training, visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Core.green. 
Use ION technology to create a safer environment for your real estate. Visit core.green. For more commercial real estate intel, forecasts, and strategies, visit CREshow.com.